Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. Hello there. Welcome to God's R Us. My name is Mary. Mary. I'm your God's R Us customer service representative. Now, before we begin, I do want to let you know that for the purposes of good customer service, our conversation will be monitored by the God of quality improvement. Now, how can I help you? Oh my goodness. Okay. Ma'am, I have a lot of problems. You have a lot of problems? Wonderful. You've come to the right place. Here at God's R Us, our motto is, got God's? Tricky, huh? Now, what's wrong with you? Okay. Okay. It's a big store. Mm-hmm. Don't scream this or, or like really yell it. But I'm dealing with a little bit of depression. Depression! Ooh, oh you yelled gosh. it. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Let me All go right. ahead and just All type right. that into okay. our searchable Gods Are Us database. Okay. And, um, Is there an app? Whoa! That? Lucky you, sir. We have 324,578 gods who can help you with depression. Ma'am? That's a lot of gods. 324,578. We have the god of perkiness, a personal favorite. The god of bootstrap pulling up. <laughs> the god of smiley faces. Oh, and of course, an oldie but goodie, the god of get over yourself. We also have the god of, um, hold on. Hold are on, we... hold on. Ma'am, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot, okay? I need you just to bring it down just a little bit for me. Okay. Wonderful. Go okay, ahead okay. and put those uh, gods in your electronic just, um, okay. shopping cart. Now, is there anything else I can help you with, sir? Okay. Again, I don't want you to yell all this stuff, but... Of course, me and you. All right, just so me and you. I have a lot of problems right now. A lot of problems, okay. One, I got a new baby, oh. and she's waking me up every night. She's crying, she's doing all this and that. My wife, you know, we're, new, we're, newly, we're, we're newly married, Ooh. okay? I have a mother-in-law. Okay, slow down a there, mother- big fella. But, Let me catch up. She's sick, though, up. but okay. Um, okay. Let's see here. Let's Help see here. Let's see what deities are up today. Like um, wow, you are in luck. We have over half a million gods and lesser gods you can help with you with all your family issues. Yeah. Do you say half a million? Half a million. Oh, right. Yep, we have the god of poo-poo diapers. Ew. The god of way too many bluey videos. Oh. The god of work stress. The god of home stress. The god of texting each other at dinner. The god of texting uh, each other in the I car. The god of texting yourself to remind yourself to text each other. We also have all the. Okay, 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 ma'am. Mm-hmm, yeah. Ma'am? Can you just really bring it down for me? I'm really, it's just a store, there's a lot of people. Sorry. Okay. Ma'am, do you have a God for someone that's having teenage problems? Oh, yeah, the God of acne be gone. No, I I do have a lot of those things. (laughs) Do you have anything for uh, marital problems? I mean, it's not that problem. (laughs) The God of Solve All Your Problems podcast. Oh, 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 okay. That, That sounds pretty good. Do you have anything for old parents? Like, like, parents? Oh, the God of. Back in my day. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. They do say that a lot. Uh, what about, uh, so I got a little, do you have anything for like uh, extra income? Because I'm a little broke right now. Mick God pays well. Mick God? It was like 15 Wonderful. bucks? Like 15 bucks. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I can do that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, ma'am. Uh, Are you there... struggling with anything else? Um, Maybe. Hmm. Well, my wife did send me a list, but. You know, she's always on my I back. I can tell you need some courage. You know who I can help you with? I the do. god of... <laughs> you chicken. Man, yeah, that you. hurt a little bit. I, I can tell you're a chicken. Why do I feel so tough? Yeah, I can tell. Well, oh, ma'am. By any chance, is there just... Out of all those half a million gods and whatever you're yeah, talking so about, many. is there just, like, one? Just, like, one to cover all those issues that I'm having, especially with my wife? But do you have anything all... What? Just what? one. Just what? one. 
Can you do it on your iPad and like do what you're doing? Let's see. One God. One, one God. God. Not a half a million? Not, I, not, not a half two? a million. Mm, not yes, even two. okay. We do have one God. But sir, you don't want him. He's expensive. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I, I can get around that. He's old. Okay, I'm an old school guy. Old Listen, school sir, guy. he's not even normally in. Okay, so he is in stock. Okay, but continue. Let tell me, me. tell me more. Tell me more. Away from the expensive and older model. Listen, here's the thing. Um, with him, there's so many hoops you have to jump through, and honestly, he kind of stays around after the problem. It's a little much. I, mean, I don't mind also, that. Also, he's always checking in on you. It's like, leave me alone, ma'am. By any chance, does that one God, one God, is he compatible with my system? Well, like I said, he's I mean, old, I'm on the iOS, so but... He's probably... Okay, so he is compatible with your Sick. system. Okay, all right, tell me more, tell me more. All right, here we go. One more time, let me steer you away from the old and expensive model. Listen, hear me out. Okay. You go to www.godsaplenty.com. You download our God's Helper this version. Even a real for, don't you worry, it's free. Um, and we'll help you find any God for any occasion. Ma'am... Yeah. Thank you for your time, but uh, I think I'm going to... No, 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 think, hear me out. You just, buy 12 gods, I'll get you the 13th free. Oh, that's... Yeah, uh-huh. ma'am, just... You okay, know what? what about a free membership to God's Warehouse? Buy your gods in bulk, I don't, save a ton. I don't like bulk gods. Ma'am, I'm, my wife is calling me. Hello, honey, this is... No, ma'am, we have no. a Moonlight Madness sale. All moonlight? The gods. No, 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 ma'am. I, I get, ma'am, thank you, please, no, 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 thank no, you. Sir, sir. I want to take a picture of this one. Sir, I, I do commission. <laughs> I need. I think we need to the table. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, you know what's funny about that? Now, obviously, we don't have many gods, right? We just have one. But have you ever noticed this? Instead of us conforming who we are to the image of God, We have a tendency to find God, well, let's not say God's, churches that present God more like what we want to find. Have you ever noticed that? I know not, we don't do that, but other churches do that, right? I want a calm God. I want a God that does this, but doesn't do this. I don't want my God to be too crazy. I want my God to be hip. I don't want him to be too old. I don't want him to be too newfangled. I want him to be, you know, solid. So what do we do? We don't have gods. We have different churches. And we base our churches on who we think God should be. We create God in our image instead of us being transformed by God. Beloved, be careful. Let God set the parameters. Let him set the tone for what he wants you to be. I think, you know, Brother Dan, Elder Dan, I think he brought a word from the Lord today and it stunned us a little bit. It was very quiet in this house. Have we surrendered who we are to him? Who is in charge of your faith? Now, it's our job to grow. It's our job to step into, allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. But understand this, God is the redder. He sets the tone, not us. Have you made room for God to do whatever he wants to do in your life? We sang it today over and over and over. Isn't it funny? Sometimes as Christians, we sing dangerous songs. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to. Is that the cry of your heart? 
It's a dangerous song. Do me a favor, shut your eyes for a second. Let's just right now make room for the Holy Spirit to do whatever He wants to do in our lives. Collectively, we've sung the song, but personally, right now, give Him an invitation to do whatever He wants to do in your life. Beloved, the past is the past, for good or for bad. God today is wanting to do something new. And he wants to do that in you. Make room for him. Holy Spirit, that is our prayer this morning. That God, we would make room for you. We give you permission to shift us, to change us, to mess us up. So that, Father, we could be a part of the new thing that you're doing in our lives. Forgive us, Lord God, for sometimes being dragged, kicking, and streaming. And help us, Lord God, to... Uh, to be open to what you want to do in us now. In your name, and everybody said. All right. It's good to see everybody this morning. I'm Pastor TJ. Welcome to everybody online, everybody in the house. It's good to see you. Uh, we are in, uh, we're almost done with our series called Beyond. In this last few months, we've been looking at how God is different than us. There is a God that sits on the throne, and you are not him. Sometimes we think we are, but we're not. Trust me, you're not him. In fact, his ways are so far beyond our ways, we don't even fully understand who he is. But we pursue with an open heart, and God does cool things in our lives for that. I'm excited about this morning because I think God's going to really um, gonna take us to a different place today. Um, I remember a few years ago, I got a call from one of our associate pastors named Jody Bean. He called me in a panic. He says, TJ, because I need your help. I said, sure, Jody, what do you need? He goes, bring all your tools and be at my house as soon as you can. I said, okay. So I, I, I put my little tool arsenal together. I went to his house. I had no idea what to expect. And as I pulled up to his driveway, there in his driveway was his car. And then in the driveway were all of his car parts. <laughs> Jody had decided to start to take apart and to fix a piece of his engine. He saw something on YouTube. YouTube was a beautiful and a terrible thing. And he said, I can save some money and fix this. And he hit a brick wall, and he's like, I cannot fix this. So I came in, and I'm like, Jody, I have a, a good skill set. One of the skill sets I do not possess is automotive mechanic work. I said, what's going on, man? He goes, I got desperate. I had to call you. He said, my wife's going to be home in about 10 minutes. He goes, if she comes home and the car parts are all over the driveway, I'm a dead man. And if you met his wife, Ruth, you would understand. That is true. So we got out there, and I said, what's the problem, Jody? He goes, there's this one bolt I can't get off. He goes, he goes I can't get my hand around this, this, this piece of equipment. There was this big this belt and all these things that were going on. He goes, he goes, you're stronger than me, so maybe you can get this off. And, you know, you appeal to that. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I stuck my hand in the engine, and I got this wrench, and I'm trying to move this thing, and there's just not enough room in there to get leverage. And I'm pulling, and I'm pulling, and I'm sweating, and I'm pulling, and all of a sudden I said, Jody, I don't want to tell you, man. I said, I can't help you. And he's like, the time is ticking. I'm going to die. You're going to do my funeral if we don't figure this out. And I said, well, let's call Mike. Mike was a guy in our church. He was a mechanic. He was a gearhead. Let's call Mike and see if Mike can figure this out. So we called Mike. We said, Mike, you've got about four minutes to get here before Ruth gets home, and Jody's a dead man. Can you get here and take a look at this engine real quick? Mike goes, sure. He pulls up. Jody gives him the rundown. We say, it's this boat here. We can't get to this boat. And Mike just started looking at us and shaking his head. I said, Mike, I don't understand. Don't you understand the English? We can't get this bolt out. We can't get our arms in there. He looked at us and he says, are you guys serious? I said, yeah, we're serious. Can you help us out? He looked in there and there was a clip on this big, this big hose in the front. He undid the clip, moved the whole thing. And just like this, poof, and it popped right off. 
And then he got in his car, shook his head, and just drove off. It had never occurred to us to remove the obstruction to get to the boat. We didn't know it just popped off. And, and I mean, a good end of the story, we got the engine back together right as Ruth pulled into the driveway, and Jody lived. He did. Now, here's, here's the, the thought I want to give you with today. Sometimes we need somebody else to come in and give us a proper understanding of what our situations are. Sometimes you can't figure everything out on your own. You need a higher perspective. You need somebody that sees things differently than you. This is one of the functions that God has in our life. He moves us from our own limited understanding to our life, and he stretches us, and he helps us to see our worlds differently, especially when it comes to matters of the kingdom. Now today, I want to look at one of the the, the deepest, strongest ways that God impacts us and helps us to see our world differently. Today, we're going to look at what happens when you and I experience God's presence. It's one thing for you and I to talk about God. It's one thing for us to have our traditions. It's another thing to be present when God moves into the room. When God comes into the room, everything changes. It does. You cannot be in the presence of God and stay the same. You just can't. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 33. This is an interesting passage starting at verse 7. Some of you are familiar with the story, some of you aren't. And that's okay, you're going to learn the story today. It's the story of Moses and his wanderings with the children of Israel. Think about this. And most of you know the story of of Moses. You know, thus saith the Lord, let my people go. And and Pharaoh did not want to let the, the Hebrews go. And then God started to flex his muscles and he sent plagues. And Moses and Aaron did miraculous things. And eventually, the Pharaoh, you know, relented, and and they left, and then he changed his mind, and then God showed up strong. And then he led his children with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And as they, they started to wander through the desert, as they would encamp and take time to rest as they'd move to places, God would rest with them. And they would construct this little, this tent, the tent of meeting. And that was the place that Moses would go to, to acquire, inquire from God. So this is a, a little snippet of what that looked like. Exodus 7, or 33 verse 7 says this. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and they stood at their entrances of their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. Verse 9, as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and would stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Put yourself in this place. Isn't that amazing? It's like something from a movie, but this is what happened. Verse 10, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and they worshiped, each at the entrance to their own tent. Verse 11, then the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks with a friend. Then Moses returned to the camp, but his young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Joshua wanted to stay in God's presence. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this nation is your people. Verse 14 says this, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you 
and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from, this, from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me, with your people, unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? Verse 17, and the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by your name. I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. This is nuts. Imagine this. A man, Moses, having a conversation with God. Agreeing with God that his presence would go with him, but that's not enough. He wants more. Does your faith contain the element of more? Is there a hunger in you for more of the things of God? Or are you satisfied with what you have? Moses wasn't satisfied. He said, show me your glory. Look at verse 19. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So what happens, beloved, when you and I move from satisfied to more mode? What happens in your faith when instead of just praying that God would show up to your door one day, you actually pursued him? You pursued him like a deer panting for the water. You pursued him like a man wandering in the desert looking for water. What happens to our faith when we actually pursue God's presence and you encounter his presence? There's a few things I want to put into your heart today. These are the things that God's presence unlocks in our life when you encounter it and when you experience it. The first thing is this. When you find yourself in God's presence, when you pursue him and he shows up like Moses in the tent of meeting, God starts to reveal his heart. It's the first thing that he does. Beloved, there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. A lot of us know about God. We could tell you all these great theological things about God, but here's the question. Do you know him? Do you know God? Know this. You can't truly know the heart of a person unless you spend time with them. And you can't fully understand the heart of God without spending time in his presence. You can't. This is why we have so many different churches speaking so many different messages. Who's right? Sometimes we merge our opinions, our desires, and our will with what we think the heart of God is. The only way you can experience God's heart is by spending time with him. Sometimes we like to form our opinions about God by what other people say about him. Have you ever done that with a person? You're getting ready to meet somebody and your friends have already told you all about that person. So you come in kind of already jaded. Have you ever done that? I've not even met you yet, and I already don't like you. Because Susie doesn't like you. Because Ben doesn't like you, right? Beloved, there's nothing wrong with hearing other people's opinions and personal perspectives about God. But if you really want to know who God is, experience him for yourself. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I love books. I'm a book nerd. I love podcasts. I love all those things. None of those things replace having your eyes in the holy book. 
None of those things replace you spending personal time with God in prayer, in meditation, in waiting. Beloved, please don't live your life from other people's experiences. Did you hear me? All those things are good, but they add to the rudder of the Holy Spirit of what's happening in your life. Don't live off other people's echoes. Go to the voice. Listen to what God has to say for you. In order to do that, you have to get close. There are certain things that can only be revealed by God when you spend time in his presence. We make assumptions all the time uh, about people's hearts and even the heart of God sometimes. I remember um, I, was, uh, I was asked by one of our, uh, our students in Denver if I would be a part of a college uh, discussion um, they were discussing uh, socioeconomic things, and they were discussing the role of the church in the world today. So they invited me to, to be part of their college class uh, discussion. It was really cool. So there was about 20 of them, and then there was me. And we were on like a little Zoom thing, and I'm sitting in there, and I'm the only guy in the room. I'm Pastor TJ and blah, 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 blah. And as we were getting ready to start our discussion, one of the girls in the room in our, little, in our Zoom thing, she said this. She goes, Pastor Harris, I have to tell you this right now. I said, what do you have to tell me? She goes, I hate your guts. I said, well, I think I'm delightful. Why do you hate me? She says, I hate you because I hate everything you stand for. She says, so, she goes, this is going to be a tough hour for you. I thought to myself, I can just, you know, just, I'll just pop off the Zoom. It ain't going to be tough for me. I'll grab me a coffee and some lunch. It'll be fine. But it piqued my curiosity. So I sat there, and as I sat there, they started firing questions at me. Why do you hate these type of people? Why do you hate those people? And I, at one, I don't hate anybody. Well, but you do this. I don't do that. But you said this. I didn't say that. And what was funny was this. This girl had already made up all these ideas in her head of what the church was like because of her past experiences with other churches, because of what people told her about other churches. As we came to the end of our hour, I'll never forget this. The girl said, she goes, you know what, Pastor Harris? She goes, um, I've never been to church in my life. She said, but if I were to try God, I would probably show up at your church. What changed? She, she talked to me. She got to know me. And my prayer through that whole time was this, Lord, help me to be an adequate representative of your heart. Help me, Lord God, help me. What changed? Presence. She got to spend some time with me. She got to know my heart. The more you spend time with people, the more you get, to know your, you get to know their heart. The more you spend time in God's presence, the more he reveals his heart to you. Be careful, beloved. And make sure you represent his heart well. His heart to you well. This is what Psalms 25, 14 says. And I love this. There's a private place reserved for the devoted lovers of Yahweh where they sit near him and receive the revelation secrets of his promises. If you really want to know the heart of God, sit at his feet and listen. Now, some of you are here this morning and you're struggling to know God's heart even for your life. Here's my advice to you. Spend time in his presence. If you were to take all the time that you spent worrying and you would focus that into spending time with him just sitting at his feet, your life would be totally revolutionized. Spend time in his presence. Put on some worship music. Open up the word. 
pray, seek his face, get on your face, put, you know, bathe your carpet in tears, just enjoy his presence. Make room for him, and your life will change. So as you encounter God, that's the first thing that happens. He starts to shift things. The second thing that happens is this. He starts to refresh your soul. In his presence, there's refreshment. Do you know that as a believer, God made you to leak? He did. One of my favorite vehicles of all time is we had a Land Rover Discovery. Took it into the mountains of, of, of Colorado, drove that thing everywhere. And, and I used to love that thing, but the problem with, with our Discovery was this. It leaked oil. Everywhere you went, everybody knew you were there because I always left a little puddle of oil on the ground. And I asked my mechanic of the church, I said, how do I fix this? He goes, you don't. He goes, he said, these Land Rovers this year, they just like, they like to leave their trail everywhere they go. They leak oil. Suck it up, buttercup. And I did. So I'd fill the, I'd go and I'd check the gas and I'd fill the oil every time we'd pull into places. Just what you do. As believers, God designed us to leak. You are a container of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You are a carrier of God's love, power, and presence. So everywhere you go, God goes. And the goal is this for us as believers. Everywhere you go, you leave a deposit of the Spirit wherever you're at. You leave God's fingerprints, His residue, wherever you go. At work, at school, at the DMV. It's hard to leave God's presence at the DMV, but you have to do it. You do. We give out to others what God has poured into us. We're designed to be releasers of God's presence. We're salt. We're light. That's just what we do. Now, this means this, beloved. If you're constantly leaking, you have to constantly be going to God to be filled again. You have to spend time in God's presence to be refreshed, to be refilled. You just have to. If you don't do that, you're going to find yourself powerless and dry. Because at some point, you're going to try to do all this stuff in your own power. And beloved, you can't. So you have to steal time away and you have to spend time in God's presence to be refueled. Even Jesus, the Son of God, had to do this. Luke 15 says this. After this miracle, the news about Jesus spread even farther. Massive crowds continually gathered to hear him speak and to be healed from their illnesses. Look at verse 16. But Jesus often, everybody say often, often slipped away from them and went into the wilderness to pray. That word often is important to us because what does it do? It shows us that this was a pattern in the life of Jesus. Now, if Jesus had to spend time in God's presence to be refueled to do this thing, don't you think we should as well? Do you have a consistent time where you spend with God every day so that he can fill you so that you can go and leak again? If you don't, your faith will never be effective the way that it's supposed to be. It's in God's presence that we find replenishment. We find rest and we find restoration for our souls. Beloved, we get into trouble when we try to live out our faith under our own power. In fact, let me just say this. When you read Timothy, 2 Timothy, one of the signs of the last day church is a church that has no power. Words, but no power. Does that adequately describe most of our churches today? We have this all day long, but we don't have power. 
Why? Because we're not spending time in his presence. Get into his presence. If you spend time in God's presence, your faith moves from a burden to a blessing. We struggle to maintain vibrant faith when you start to live apart from God. You need the Holy Spirit to have a vibrant faith. Without it, I mean, you can have a form of it, but it's not the real thing. You got to have the right tools. The Holy Spirit is the right tool. The presence of God comes and it fills you. Have you ever tried to do a job with the wrong tool? You know, you need a screwdriver, but you got a butter knife. Let's just get this thing done. And you try. How often does that really work out for you? I remember one time we were driving up into the mountains, and there's four of us, four guys. It was dangerous, but we thought, we got this thing. We drove up into the mountains. My buddy had a Durango, and we got stuck. We got stuck in the snow. So I asked my buddy, I said, you got any shovels or anything? No, I got nothing. We had like one Snicker bar, and I thought, well, we just eat a quarter of this before we eat each other. You know, maybe we'll get out of here alive. I don't know. So you know what we had to do? We got out of the truck, and all of us went to the trees. We got branches, and we had to dig out the truck with sticks. It took us like three hours to dig out the truck with sticks. Have you ever dug out a vehicle with a stick? I don't recommend it. We finally got it out there, and I told my buddy Matt, I go, Matt, you ever invite me on a, trip, a death trip like this again without a shovel? I'll kill you out here myself. You need the right tool for the job. The Spirit is the right tool for us. We encounter the Spirit in God's presence. When you encounter His presence, we experience His divine rest. We lay our burdens down. You know, when we serve God, we don't serve God from a place of hurry. We serve God from a place of peace and rest. That's what we do. If that doesn't sound like your faith, something's wrong. You need to pursue God's presence. Acts 3.19 says this, 3.19 and 20. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Look at verse 20. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. That's the goal for us. So in God's presence, when you hang out with God, when you get close to God, he reveals his heart to you. The second thing he does is he refreshes your souls. He gives you rest. The third thing that he does is this. He remakes you in his image. Transformation comes from God's presence. Not from you willing it in your own human strength. You don't have enough to transform yourself into a spiritual person. The new work in Christ comes from him. The new work in who you're becoming is an act of the spirit, not the flesh. Does that make sense? The best you and I can do is sin management. I look good on the outside, but in the inside, I'm like getting ready to get ripped apart. Only the spirit brings transformation. God's presence transforms you. The more time you spend with him, the more you look like him, you sound like him, you touch like him, you love like him. It just happens. Have you ever heard this? And I'm getting, I'm getting older now. Have you ever heard this thing, this little theory that the older a couple gets, the more they start to look like each other? They start to wear the same stuff, look the same way, and all these things. These are some family pictures. And I, I'll tell you what, it's interesting to me how some of this stuff is proved on. If we ever, look, look at the cat. What's, what do you think's going on in the cat's head right now? 
Why would you put me in a sweater and do this to me? Or look at this picture. This is good. You can go to the next one. What's up with the cats, right? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> look at that. Now, I'm not saying that families kill people, but if a family killed people, couldn't you see them on like the Lifetime channel right now? With, with one of the neighbors going, they were so, they were nice neighbors. We had no idea they were killing people, right? Or how about this? <laughs> Isn't that great? So by the way, if you see your friends taking pictures like this, be a friend and stop them, please. Or how about this one? <laughs> 1987! Woo! Right? Now, I also heard this. This is nuts. Not only does this happen with, with people, but it also happens with people and their pets. The older they get, they happen to have pets that look just like them. Like this? Chip, behold your future. <laughs> Don't you have these, Chip? Don't you have those? Is that, oh, that's not a pug, is it? Oh, you have a pug? Or how about this one? This is a good one. Look at that. That looks about right, doesn't it? Yeah. Or how about this one? <laughs> I see his eyes want to go, ah! Right? It's just crazy. Or how about this one? That, yeah, that's about right. Right? Or, now, that, that's a manly looking dog right there. Or how about, yeah, yeah. That's the male version of Beyonce with the hair and stuff like that. Look at that little, little, little hair, little poodle eyes. Is there another one? Oh, yeah, yeah. Look at that. Isn't that great? But here's my favorite right here. <laughs> now, what's funny is you start out looking like that, and you usually end up looking like that, too. Here's the point. The more time you spend with God, the more you start to reflect His presence. The more transformation happens in His presence. You cannot be in God's presence and not be affected. Transformation has to happen. It does. It changes us. It has to. In fact, I think spending time with God is the greatest agent of change in your life that you can find. Make room for Him. Pursue Him. Find yourself in God's house. Find yourself in worship. The more presence, His presence that you engage, the more He transforms you. He does. This is what 2 Corinthians 3.18 says. We can all draw close to Him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We're being transfigured into His very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Who changes you? The Lord, the Holy Spirit. You experience that change in His presence. Beloved, God did not create you to fit in. He created us as believers to be different. He did. He created you to be light in a dark place. He created you to be salt in a bland world. Don't try to fit in. I'm amazed at how often us as believers, we spend all of our energy trying to fit in. Allow the transformation to happen. Be, be in his presence. Allow the transformation to take place. I think I told you guys this story uh, one time. I went with one of my, my friends. Uh, he, was a, uh, he was a Buddhist buddy. Uh, he was a pre-believer Buddhist. And uh, he invited me to this concert. And it was, a, it was a rough night. It was after our Saturday night service. And I grabbed one of my buddies and I got like a polo shirt on. And it was a very goth event. So everybody in there is wearing black and dark things and hairs high. And I got my like pink polo shirt on. You ever see like, you know, Sesame Street? One of these things is not the same here. One of these, you know, that's, that's what I was like. 
And I remember I was just standing at this concert, and I'm, I'm just praying for God to, I'm enduring. I'm like, Lord, give me, help me to persevere to get through this. And as I was standing in this group of people, this guy kept circling me. And he kept looking at me, and he was speaking and mumbling things under his breath, and he kept circling me. Finally, you know, I'm like, there's something up with this guy. He came up to me, and I went up to him. I said, dude, I said, what, what's going on? Why do you keep walking around me? He says, he says you don't belong here. And I'm like, what was, what was, your, you know, what was your, your, your hint that I don't belong here? Was it the pink polo shirt and the khakis? He goes, no. He says, I can't even look at you. He goes, you're radiating with light. He says, you don't belong here. I said, I know. He goes, well, you, you need to get out of here. I said, no, 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 no. I said, light always dispels the darkness. I said, I, I have been, I'm a no problem at all here. I said, I'm shining. I said, you're the ones that are going to get nervous. And he was like, ah, and he ran off. And I was like, that's exactly how it should be. We don't belong. We don't. God's presence changes us. He shifts us. Beloved, when you spend time in God's presence, you don't have to manufacture the change. It just happens. It can't not happen. Spend time with him. This is what 1 Peter 2.9 says about you. But you are God's chosen treasure. Priests who are kings, a spiritual nation, set apart as God's, as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would, be, you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. This is what God's presence does in your life if you let him. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to. This is the byproduct. Not what you want. Us being conformed to his image. To change us. So he can send us and use us. So what does his presence do in our lives? His presence reveals God's heart to us. His presence refreshes our souls. His presence remakes us in his image. And finally, in his presence, he releases his glory. Now glory is like a church word that most of us have no idea what it means. When you think of glory, we think of, you know, some lady in a little church with a fan going, glory! Shouting somebody down in a church service. But what does glory really mean? The Hebrew word for glory is kabod, which actually means weight, majesty. The Hebrews also use this word kabod to talk about the liver because the liver was the weightiest of all the organs in the body. That word literally means the weighty presence of God. That's what God's glory is. This is not like some figurative flowery language. This is a literal way that Hebrew would describe God's presence, his weight. This is an actual physical presence. Now we see this you know, in the Bible, this word glory a few times, when God's weightiness manifested itself so strong it actually affected everybody that was around them. 1 Kings 8.10 says this. This is when Solomon dedicated the temple. David got all the stuff. Solomon built it. And when they dedicated the temple, this is what happened. It says, when the priest came out of the holy place, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord. Imagine that. God's physical presence came down as a cloud in the temple and the priests could not do what they were supposed to do. 
What would you do right now if God's presence came down in this room like a cloud and we were unable to do what we wanted to do today? Would you run out of this place? Would you go, I got to find me another place that fits me better? What would you do? It's in the Word. His presence brings His glory, which brings away, and it affects us. Do you think His presence affected all those priests? Do you think they talked about that until the day they died? Now, we don't know specifically what happened with them. We just know this. They encountered it, and their lives had to be changed. We're still talking about it thousands of years later. Now, it just didn't happen in the Old Testament. With the presence of God came God's glory, and when the God's glory comes, things shift and miracles happen. We see this in the story of Lazarus. Most of you know the story of Lazarus. You know, Lazarus was, was, was close to, to Jesus. Jesus is ministering. He's sick. You know, sisters send word to Jesus, we need you right now, and Jesus says, I'll be there when I get there. By the time Jesus shows up on the scene, Lazarus is gone. The sisters are heartbroken. They don't know what to do. But Jesus encourages them. And this is what he says in John eleven thirty eight. 38. You know, by this point, Jesus is, or Lazarus is buried in the tomb. He's wrapped in there. He's been dead for four days. He says this, Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone that laid against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there'll be an odor, for he's been dead for four days. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? You have Jesus who brings God's presence, and with that presence comes God's glory. Look at verse 41. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank you that, I, that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I say this on account of the people that are standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, and his hands and his feet were bound with linen strips, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus comes on the scene. With him comes God's presence. And with his presence, he enables Martha and all those people to experience God's glory, a practical thing. And in his presence, in the midst of his glory... Miracles happen. A man is brought from death to light. When you seek God's presence and God decides to show up and move, beloved, it's in that environment we experience the miraculous. It's in that place of miracles. Now, here's a challenge most of us aren't that committed enough to experience the miraculous power of God. We come in, we pray, and we go about our day. When's the last time you sought God and you said, Lord, I'm not leaving here until I encounter your presence? When's the last time you fought for somebody that strong? Lord, we're not leaving here. We're going to grab a hold of everything you are until you come and you meet us. Because without you, we are nothing. I remember years ago, I had an opportunity to go to Cuba. And um, at that point, Cuba was closed. There was no diplomatic relations so we had to sneak into the country. And I remember we were meeting in a church at night in the jungle. At any moment, you know, the, the communists could come in and take us all away. 
And I remember we're out there, and there's got to be hundreds of us. And I remember as we're sitting there, uh, this, this mom and this dad brought this little girl to us, and she was, she was gray. And we had our translators there, and, and they said, what's wrong with the girl? And she had worms. That's a big thing that kills children, they're worms. And they said, if, she, if God doesn't touch her, she's going to die tonight. And I remember they laid her, this is the crazy, they laid her before us, and we just started to pray. And you know, this is the humbling thing. You go to those places, and everybody wants to hear what the Americans have to say. But, you know, I st- stayed with Cubans for two weeks, and they prayed us under the table. They worshiped us under the table. You know, you don't need, I need to listen to you. You don't need to listen to me. And I remember the elders of the church came up, and we all got on our knees, and we prayed, and we cried, and we prayed. And it wasn't a minute. It was, a, it was a probably about a half hour praying, and we're praying, and we're praying, and we're seeking the Lord, and everybody's praying, and I hear sobs, and I hear wailing, and all these things. And then all of a sudden, you felt it. God's presence just came down right in that jungle. And I can't describe it other than this, man. You felt the weight of God's presence. It was tangible. It was real. The hair in the back of my neck stood up. I was like, he is here. They recognized it. They picked up that little girl. And they said, thank you. And they walked away. She was still gray. Wasn't instant. I thought, well, I wonder if we'll see that little girl again. The next night, we came in there. And that little girl came running. She came hugging everybody. Totally healed from death to life. What brought that? God's presence. Those guys understood. They said, we're not leaving here until God moves. We're not leaving here until God shows up and he heals like he says he will. Beloved, we don't do things on our timetable. We work for him. He doesn't work for us. We don't fit God in. He is the rudder. He leads us. I can't tell you how many times I've heard we need revival in America. Are we willing? Mm. Are we willing to pursue God in ways that he wants us to pursue him to see revival come to us? Or do we want revival in our terms? It doesn't happen that way. It's either him or it's no way at all. Know this, beloved. We are a house that pursues God's presence. If we accomplish anything on a Sunday, it's to pursue God's presence. We want his glory to fill this house. The Holy Spirit can transform you in a moment better than I could do it by speaking for 22 minutes, which I never speak for 22 minutes. Some of you are like, we're aware of that, Pastor TJ. We're a house that pursues God's presence. Why? In his presence is transformation. In his presence, miracles happen. In his presence, we find restoration. In his presence, he reveals his heart to us. So I want to leave you with this question today. Is God's presence a priority in your life? Is God one of the things that you do? Or is he the center of everything that you do? Bow your heads with me. In his presence is fullness of joy. I want you to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Just talk to him. He hears you just like he hears me. And ask him this question. Say, Holy Spirit, have I made room for you to do whatever you want to do in my life? And listen to what the Holy Spirit tells you. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com. Or 
follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.